Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and sponsored by Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts, this is the 380th episode of Creative Control with Vish Khanna, featuring a panel discussion about anti-black racism in Canadian music, recorded live on Saturday, February 10th at the Origin Arts and Community Centre as part of the 2018 Megaphono Festival in Ottawa, Ontario. Wow. Thank you very much. Ottawa, Megaphono. We are here at the Origin Arts and Community Center uh, for Megaphono, and we have a panel today about uh, black Canadian music history. And uh, my name is Vish. It's nice to be here. I'm sitting higher than everyone here because I have lifeguard training, I guess. I don't know why I'm so high above you. I don't feel high above you. I feel equal. But uh, they put me here, and I'm just doing my best. I apologize. Um, So it's a thrill to be here with you. And to begin our panel, I'm going to ask each of our panelists to introduce themselves by name, uh, affiliation, you know, practice, uh, city of origin if they like, and also I'm going to ask each of them to describe and discuss their first exposure to music made by black Canadian artists. The first thing they remember uh, experiencing uh, in terms of black uh, Canadian music. Uh, So why don't we begin right here? Hi everybody, my name is Melissa Vincent. I am a music journalist, um, an editor, and a community organizer from Toronto. Yeah, I suppose my first um, experience with black Canadian music would probably come from something like Much Music, but then if I think back a little bit further, I remember being in maybe grade one or two and there was this picture book called Z for Zamboni. Um, oh yeah, I remember that do one. Do you remember that? Yeah, I believe it's pronounced Zed for Zamboni. Zed for Zamboni. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you're sorry. right. Zed for Zamboni. Just keeping things very Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember reading through that book. I remember having my teacher read mm-hmm. that book to me. And for P, or it might have been O, I remember um, coming into contact with Oscar Peterson for the first time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay, and what? Did, but so in book form, did you actually hear his music? Um, I don't believe at that time. I think it probably was several years later until I actually listened to his music. But that was the first time I encountered 
a musician who was also from Canada. Before that, it had been a lot of exposure to American musicians, but that was the first time I was able to put together the relationship between being a Canadian and then also being a black musician. So uh, what did that do to you, so to speak? You're a young person, you're you're seeing a, a black person in this book. I assume otherwise it's... It's Zed for Zamboni, so the rest of the people were Italian, I assume, or white. Uh, so what did that do to you at that point in your life? Yeah, I think it was one of those experiences that I kind of locked away in a part of my brain. And I, you know, later on um, was able to sort of pull it back to the forefront when I started to get really interested in jazz. And I started to sort of take an interest and take, um, you know, spend a lot of time investing myself in like the lexicon of Canadian music. Okay. So did you did that encourage you to check out Oscar Peterson at that at some point? So I don't think exactly at that point because I might have been about six or seven right, at sure. the time and probably didn't have access. Did you ask someone to explain who he was to you? I mean, or did the book do that a little bit? Yeah, I think the book did a good job of setting the stage um, for who he was and sort of what his role, like, a little bit of what his role was in Canadian music. Mm-hmm. Which was a monstrous role. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then and then I was sort of thinking about that again when I was walking to the um, National Arts Centre yesterday and there's that really lovely statue um, that and the music is playing sort of right by that building. Right. I was sort of like thinking about this panel and then thinking about that experience and mm-hmm. sort of tying those pieces together. Okay. Okay. You also mentioned much music. Yes. Though. So was that, did you see someone on Much Music for the first time? Yes. Uh, Keisha Shante. Keisha Shante, yes. Keisha Shante on Much Music. Um, like 2004? 2004. So I would have been nine at the time. Nine? Oh my God, I'm so old. <laughs> Nine in two thousand four. Yeah, well, which is why, like, when I was when I read Zed for Zamboni for the first time, I was probably about five or six. Right. Still, <laughs> so you're I'm asking me all of these questions, and I was like, "What was I doing when I was in grade one? Like, yeah. maybe the teacher played it, maybe not." But um, yeah, but but I remember seeing Keisha Shanti on Much Music, um, and just feeling really excited that people were talking about an artist from Canada. Oh, okay. Um, you know, at that point and what at that time was a fairly uh, limited music environment, I just remember feeling the sense of pride. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, Melissa, thank you for being here. How about a round of applause for Melissa? Okay, we move down uh, the, uh, the stage. Go ahead. Yes, uh, my name is Rita Carter. I'm born and raised in Ottawa. Shout out to 613. Love my city. Uh, my parents immigrated here from Uganda in the late 70s. Um, and, uh, I, I started playing music when I was, when I was young and, uh, I organize events, I play music, I write music, I do songwriting workshops with kids and Jack Who Combat, which is a grassroots organization here in Ottawa. And, uh, yeah, I've, I think my first, yeah, I've got to say my first time being very touched by a black Canadian musician was uh, Maria Hawkins from Ottawa. If anybody knows who Maria Hawkins is. Who is Maria she's Hawkins? A, she's a, <laughs> an amazing spirit, like a beautiful human being. She's a blues musician, but does all kinds of genres. And she was doing blues in the schools uh, for Blues Fest at Featherston Drive Public School. That's where I went. I was about 10 or 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, she came and just her voice and 
how she could move a crowd and she was uh, talking about blues history and and history of music and she was always very conscious to say that she's a black woman and I was very young so that really touched me and so that's the yeah. first you'd heard of this sort of like well like I definitely like much music you say that like much music was was huge for you know little rascals and Cardinal Official and Maestro and Shaw Claire and like the whole Toronto crew but I would say Maria Hawkins is what actually like drew me to do what I do. Okay. Yeah. And was she an anomaly in Ottawa at the time? I mean, is that one of the reasons she stood out for you? Like, you, there wasn't. Anyone... I didn't know like oh, didn't how know. big because yeah. I was I was a kid. I hadn't been out at the Rainbow downtown, <laughs> you know, on Murray Street. So I didn't I didn't know like who she was or what the impact that she had on the city. But as I grow up, and she's still like my mentor now. So okay. Like as I've grown up, I've realized how much that impacted me. And, yeah. and I don't mean to keep going back to much music, but it's been brought up twice because that's, oh, yeah. that to it's me huge. was a huge uh, platform in terms of learning about mm-hmm. Canadian music. And uh, it really seemed invested in this multicultural uh, aspect of Canadian culture, yeah. I thought at the time. Mm-hmm. Like I mostly would see black artists on much music more than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like you had the same experience. Right. Yeah, for sure. That and like BET, but BET was all like American driven. Did you get BET? I mean, I didn't get. I BET. did at the Boys and Girls Club on MacArthur Avenue. We got to we got to sneak into the senior games room and watch BET right on the projector. But at home, I didn't have it because you had to pay for that cable at one point. Right. My mom didn't. And, and so, how important was it to see people that reflected your culture on TV and in these on these in these platforms? Was was it crucial? Um, I, I guess I'd have to go back to like looking back. Yes, of course. Because I feel like I didn't actually come into my own and understand how important black culture is to me until later in my life. Right. So looking back, I would say that, you know, in hindsight, yes, it had a huge impact because it just lets you know that you can also do the same thing and there's no barriers. You know, there may be obstacles, but you could do anything, right? Yeah. I remember seeing Namugeni Chiwanuka do uh, on much music and Master T and like seeing black VJs as well. Yeah, Michael Williams, of and, course. And yeah, yeah. Monica Diol for me. I mean, yeah. it's like, oh, an Indian person is on TV. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's yeah. huge, right? Yeah. And Chihonuka, that last name comes from Uganda as well. So she's half Ugandan as well. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, so it just, yeah, inspired me. I think we've, we're touching upon a thing that I've noticed in my own, my children are, are young, uh, six and three, and they don't see difference. Uh, and they're not aware of maybe their own uh, you know, I married a white lady, so my kids are beige. I don't know what color they are really. They're kind of off, off white, and but I can tell they don't see uh, race and skin color and, and things like that. Really, I mean, my son is st- actually I, my son snuck down while the Grammys were on, or no, while the Super Bowl was on, and because we told him Justin Timberlake was on, uh, and he's a big fan of the Troll song. Yes, so he wanted to see too, yeah. he wanted to see Justin Timberlake, and at the beginning, if you saw it, you couldn't really see Justin Timberlake. He was all in shadows, and my son, I didn't realize what he was saying, but he was like, "Is he is he brown or white? Is he brown or white?" And I thought he was just muttering because he was tired. And I'm like, "What?" And I didn't figure it out. Then he emerged out of the shadows and was singing for a while, and all of a sudden, my son went, "He's definitely white." <laughs> And I was like, oh, I kind of put it all together. But up until, it seems to me that you, I had the same experience. I didn't really recognize my difference until someone else pointed it out to me Mm, or I saw it on TV. And that's an interesting thing to discover is that you might be different. Yeah, I think that like when when my parents were 
here in the late 70s, they were, you know, there weren't a lot of black people here in Ottawa. And I think they, like, definitely had to or tried to, to best they could, like, assimilate and conform a little bit and speak more English and not yeah. our native tongue at home and, like, all of that. But not, I'm not, like saying my parents were horrible or anything like that, but they were just doing what they yeah. thought they had to do. But I'm raising my son. He's four years old, and I make sure to let him know, like, early. I'd rather him find out from me yes, than someone else in, like, a negative way. Absolutely. So I, like, you know, play records. I show him Stevie Wonder on, on, on the screen. I, like, try to expose him yeah. to as much black culture as I can. All right. Well, yeah. Rita, it's nice to have you here. How about a round of applause for Rita, please? Thank you. All right, we move down again. All right, so hello everyone. Um, my name's uh, Seismic. I'm a D. I'm a Ottawa DJ, producer, and rapper. Um, was performing at Megaphono on the eighth with City Fidelity and Cody Coyote, two amazing artists. And um, yeah, I was born and raised in Ottawa. So Ottawa, six one three, wrap up. And do you remember uh, the same question? I suppose, like, do you remember who you first um, were exposed to in terms the, of the the first like um, Black Canadian artist that I was exposed to was probably Chaos, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, back like back into the men I used to be was bumping on much music and stuff, and I was like, damn, this song's good. Like, yeah, so like, yeah, I really like Chaos. Um, he's like the first like major artist that I've, I've like was aware of that was Black and Canadian. So I was like, okay, cool, he's he's pretty cool, and then. Um, Growing up, like in the schools, I remember it was actually Rita Carter that came to my school that was doing performances there for Black History Month, mm-hmm. and like she was singing about vitamin D and stuff, and she was encouraging all the all the kids to like just do what they want and like pursue their art because they they can do it right. So it's amazing to just be in the same room with her now, like and see her now like performing and still doing her thing, you know. So it's like it was a lot of um, it's really inspiring for me to like know uh, the people in my community to have like that close connection with them as an artist and as just, just like a human being so has well. Rita become a mentor for you like do you two know each other yeah we know each other but like Rita's not I, I feel like Rita's like more um, instrumental based and I'm like more of like a producer type like tech tech person oh mm-hmm. like aesthetically you're in yeah. different places yeah but you're in the same community yeah because you haven't heard me rap yet you gotta send me a beat <laughs> okay 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 that's coming it was, we'll see uh, that's gonna come up for sure we've yeah. talked to i think a little bit about more remote role models people you saw on tv people you read about in mm-hmm. magazines history how important was it for you to or, or beyond rita did you have other community mentors and if so how important was that for you to to have people in your community that you could look up to and speak to um it's it's really important because like um a lot of the times you'd be going through something like you'd be having like an issue it's just like this is just everyday life and like like not having someone to be like hey well you know just try this or something like that or like this is what i did when i was having that same problem you know it just makes you develop so much more quicker and it just helps you and encourages you to know that you're supported and you do you do have resources instead of feeling like you're alone in this you're alone with your art nobody really gets it and then like you kind of like collapse on yourself because you're not being received well you're not being like um you're not connecting right yeah yeah and have you how long have you been performing um about two years two years two, two years in Ottawa yeah this place was the first time I saw her perform. Was at, this, at this, yeah, studio. origin. Right yeah, there, I, this I'm, beautiful I'm space. hoping we can actually talk about the importance of this space as we go. But 
I, I ask how long you've been performing because I wonder, have you now found that you are serving as a mentor? Are younger black people coming up to you and asking you for advice or? Um, I definitely think uh, I'm a mentor, but like I, I don't, I don't see myself as a mentor. I see myself as more as a, of a peer. So mm-hmm. more of like I'm gonna push you and you're gonna push me too. So I'm not looking at it like. Um, I'm mentoring you because I already know these things. I don't know, but we're going to help each other out as we go. Right. Yes. Rita was ta- I asked Rita a little bit about her uh, coming up in Ottawa in terms of uh, uh, the community here. Has the community been good to you? Do you feel like... A- oh, yeah. The community is great to me. Like The community like always supports me. And um, if I'm putting out stuff, people will listen and like give me feedback. So that's nice. That's okay. really nice. Right. Uh, yeah. All right, Seismic, thank you. How about a round of applause for Seismic, please? And last but not least. Good morning, everybody. My name is Captain. Um, I come from Toronto and um, moved to Ottawa in 1988. Oh, wow. Right? Well, late 1988. Why would you do that? Why would you leave? Well, it wasn't wasn't my decision. It was my father's decision. I see, I see. Right? Yeah. Um, My first experience with black music in Canada, there was some, I'm a hip-hop artist, mm-hmm. right? And to say hip-hop, I want to clarify, not only the MC part of hip-hop, I take hip-hop more religiously. Cultural than, form? Yeah, 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 right? Yeah. So um, when I was coming up young, I was trying to represent all the elements of hip-hop, right? I was trying to be a graffiti artist, but it was very expensive to buy the, um, the spray campaigns. And <laughs> so... Um, I didn't want to deal with that. Right. Right. Um, and plus, it did. It wasn't a position that got me or a lot of people the fame and the glory. You know, it's like a defenseman on a hockey team. You know. Yeah. You're not a striker or something like that. So um, I tried to DJ. That was expensive too. Getting the vinyl, and my father didn't want to buy me the turntables. Right. So <laughs> that was expensive. So, but I liked to mess with it because I always liked the DJ. So the easiest thing to do was to write rhymes. So that was at the forefront. I was also a b-boy also, right? Right. right. Um, so those two things, the b-boying aspect and being an MC was something that I could do, readily do any time of the day, right? Yeah. Um, so that, and that's the kind of position of fame and glory. You got the, 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 the praise from your friends if you had a battle and you won the battle, the girls liking you and all that stuff, right? Sure, sure. So um, that's why I gravitated towards that. You were looking for the glory and the girls. Yes, right, definitely. <laughs> the inexpensive route to the yes. glory and the girls as yes. well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so coming up um, in Toronto, definitely one of the names that was bubbling for me was um, uh, Mishi Me. Her name was bubbling, yeah. and uh, her name was bubbling lot a long time before Maestro Fresh West. Even though Maestro Fresh West, he is the godfather of Canadian hip hop, right? Um, but and you could say maybe from the media perspective, I believe there's a little bit of sexism in there Absolutely. because her her position in hip-hop has been shunned or suppressed, right? Um, she was signed two years prior to, to, to Maestro Fresh West by sure. KRS-One, right? right. Coming, to Auto, coming to Toronto, seeing her, liking her talent and bringing her to New York and, and putting her on. She was so, also incarcerated for right. some time. Which <laughs> yes, she was incarcerated. That came her, in the 90s and stuff like that. Derailed her career is what I, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, um, but her name in the streets of Toronto was bubbling. But still, even with us, with the, with the, in those days, the battling thing, it was like she was known, but it wasn't a reality that in Canada you can be signed as a Canadian hip-hop artist. Mm-hmm. 
the first group that I know was a group from Toronto, from Flemington, by the name of um, the Get Fresh Crew, the Get Loose Crew. Mm-hmm. Get Fresh Crew, Get Fresh, yeah, right, Get Loose right. Crew. So they were, they were from 1984, but she's the one who put it in my mind that this is actually a reality. It could be a reality, right? Um, so when my father moved to, to Ottawa, for me, it was a blessing in disguise because if I stayed in Toronto, I don't think I would have had no small slice of pie in hip-hop history for myself. Growing up in Toronto, I would have been like a tadpole in a pond. I was nowhere near those circle of people, the Dream Warriors, the Maestros, and stuff like that. So I was like a little scrub. I would see them at the parties, but I don't know them. They're... When you say you were nowhere near in terms of um, just profile or talent? Yeah, what profile. 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 Okay. Right? Okay. Um, like Maestros a few years older than me, right? Yeah. Um, I'm in my 40s. So I'm, I'm, you know, my mid-40s. But yeah. um, so with that being said, so I was... It was like, even being, my, Mr. Me is like about two years older than me, two and a half years older than me. Right. Right? So, but that's like eons. That's like almost 10 years in for the stuff that she was doing. So I was nowhere in her circle. Right? right. And so moving to Ottawa was a good thing. So how did you assert or establish yourself in Ottawa? Like, how easy was that to do? You weren't the tadpole anymore. Yes. Were you the big fish? I tried to be. <laughs> I tried to Was be. there a burgeoning... Um, Rap yes. scene or hip hop scene here? Yes, there was a big hip hop scene. There's there's a lot of um a lot of my peers was some of the founding members of the Ottawa hip hop scene, right? You there's a person here in the venue, like Clevin, he's one of the person I've done songs with him back in the days. Yeah. He's my, my age group and peer. And um so with that being said, I'm and I'm the kind of youth where I always tried to get in where I could fit in. I yeah. was always bogarding sure. my way. So um I bogarded my way and I was Moonlighting as a dancer for a particular rap group, and I was also an MC at the same time. I would get my 15 minutes during the set and bust my rhymes and stuff like that. And the first show I opened up for in '88 was um, De La Soul. Wow! Right? They came to Ottawa Carlton University, right? So for me, I wouldn't. I don't think that would ever happen for me, you know. And that is um, for me as a young youth. For some people, unless you're an artist, you understand this. It was like monumental. They were platinum selling artists. They were on. Much music, Soul in the City, all of that. And I'm just a little kid, and I'm opening up for these guys. Yeah. You know, so, and many other artists to, 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 in, in, to come after that. I've toured with Maestro Fresh West and stuff like that. Right. So, you know, but Mishi Me is the first one that made me think that it's possible. And then Maestro really solidified it for me. Dream Warriors after that. Dream Warriors, a lot of people don't know, they sold a million, million records. Yeah. Right? A Canadian hip-hop artist. A million Right and Canada platinum is uh, a hundred thousand, gold is fifty thousand, but most of the million was sold internationally. Right. But they sold a million. Other than Drake, nobody's done that since. Right, right, right. Or prior. Right. So that really Kish, you know, um, Kish came through. That's right. right. Yeah. Rumble, you know, um, those guys really said this is actually possible. And for a good portion of my teens, twenties, that's all I thought I would ever be. Right. <laughs> I wanted to be. A hip hop artist. So you're inspired so. and influenced by Mishi Mi in terms of her ability to uh, go and, and, and basically be out there and establish herself as an artist. Did her lyrical content inspire you? I don't mean to pick through your brain and go yeah. down memory lane too far, but do you remember the kinds of things you were rapping about, per se? Yeah. Well, in that era, hip hop was different. There was two veins of hip hop. Either you were socially conscious right, in the late 80s, mm-hmm. or you just rapped braggadocious rhymes about battling, you know, and 
ladies and you know your clothes and stuff like that almost similar to what people are rapping about now yeah it's but to have come full circle that's yeah, true. yeah but except we never necessarily talked about particular things now people will talk about the cars or the gold or stuff like that we talk about it per se but sometimes it was more the wordplay Sugar Hill Gang talked about having a big pool, the TV, this and that, 1978. They didn't own none of those things. I know it was. At the time, I, it seemed right? to be more aspirational, fantastical, and now it's. It seems like it's more. It's reality. Plausible, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, Mishi Me, when I saw her, one of the things that stood out for Mishi Me, there was a a New York MC by the name of Ice Cream Tea, mm-hmm. and she went on stage and battled her in Toronto, and that's how she got her claim to fame. But in that, in those days, male MCs didn't battle female MCs. So I didn't look at her as somebody like her rhyme play, her, her word play was really wow, necessarily, because I just uh, said to myself, oh, I want to battle somebody, I want to battle another male. But hmm. she put it in my brain that it's possible. So, but again, what, what were you the braggadocious rapper or were you... I was mostly, yeah, the, the, you no, the no, I was supposed to the battle rapper. You're a battle rapper. Yeah. Okay. You're just battle working rapper. on your skill set. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, would you, uh, did you get into socially conscious rhymes at that time? Did you feel I, compelled? I did because, um, but at, the, at that time, it was, to, to understand it, my father from, from the 60s, my father was um, um, a member of the Black Panther Party in New York. Oh wow! Right, so because of that, he raised us in a household, right, teaching me about a lot of social issues, right, going on in the world. So when I was young, I was coming up knowing about like Kwame and Kuma, and you know yeah. Nelson Mandela and stuff like that, Malcolm X. So I used to have to, it was just I think you know consciously I would drop a little rhyme here there, and plus Public Enemy was at the forefront, right, eighty nine, yeah. nineteen ninety. So when I hear certain things, I would get inspired. I'd write a rhyme, but it would just be maybe one or two rhymes. Right. But the majority of my content was still battle. Okay. Yeah. And was it reflective of this community in some way? Yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, in in the early late eighties, early nineties, we had a lot of me coming up as a young black youth. Um, there was a lot of uh, tension with police, right, and stuff like that. So that fueled when I did write my rhymes. That would fuel it. Right, we would have security guards in Rita Center. If anybody's old enough, the Rita Center was not what, not what it was like now. If you sat down for ten minutes too long and if you're, you're not eating food, they would come and tell you to leave. This and is it was, a mall in town. Is that in Rita Center? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it was I'm, noticeable. I'm not from here. I don't know what Rita yeah. Center is. is that, that's the mall. Is that yes, right? Yes, yeah. is, is the I think it's the biggest mall in Ottawa. It's bigger than Bishop. Okay, so. now I feel yes. like an idiot for not knowing about the the big mall. But yeah, sorry. But, and it used yeah. to be a source of tension because um they. Definitely was targeting young black youth at that right, time, right. right? To leave the, the the food court. So little things like that, and then there was a there was a, a few killings um, and and you know deaths by the hands of certain police officers mm. and stuff. So that put Ottawa on a conscious. The, the Ottawa had a conscious vibe back then. Okay. So if you were a rapper or MC, it was hard to escape it. Even hip hop generally in North America, in America per se was conscious too so yeah. you couldn't escape it okay uh thank you for that how about a hand for captain i appreciate that insight so we touched upon a few things there in terms of representation uh we talked about much music which um went downhill in terms of its ability to really represent music culture i think uh, at some point they realized for whatever I mean, it was a business decision. Like they don't really show music as much anymore. Would yeah. you, is that fair to say? Well, same with MTV and yes. BT and all that. It's just because things have changed. Like things people have, are watching videos on 
YouTube. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's and, just what it is. So. And you mentioned the Origin Arts and Community Center as being a, a place where people can uh, be exposed to different artists. Um, and you mentioned uh, the fact that you had to get out of Toronto, uh, or why well, you left Toronto for Ottawa and then were able to find your voice. So, And we've talked a little bit about representation and, and how you get representation, how do you how you actually are able to uh, gain a profile and, and be exposed to... Uh, culture and also expose you know your work to uh, a wider audience do you feel that and i'm opening this to the floor now by the way do you feel that black canadian musicians are are well represented in the canadian music industry at present um i'm curious if anyone can speak to that we are obviously in a post ovo time (laughs) uh where there has been a spotlight shone on canadian music on some level but are you feeling that as artists yourselves and as journalists as well do you feel like it's any easier for uh, African Canadian, Black Canadian musicians to to get represent, uh, you know, have a profile and a platform for their work? I definitely feel like for Black Canadian artists, I feel like if once they start getting off the ground and they start getting their content out, it's a lot more American um, people that are supporting them. So it's a lot more American people that are watching the videos, listening to the music. Like even um, there's this guy Knight Lavelle. Um, yeah, in Ottawa, he's he's killing like the the hip hop game like in the U.S. right now. Like he's in it with all of the trap guys, and like auto like barely anyone in Ottawa knows Night Lavelle. And like, how do you not know a celebrity in your own city, right? Yeah. And like that's just because the that's just because of the culture in Ottawa is not focused on hip hop culture. It's not focused on black culture. Like we don't have a prominent like martyr that is just like. Us, you know what I'm saying? This is us in Ottawa, you know. What I'm but like, I don't know. That that's that's how I feel. It's like we get more support outside when we when we get exposed when we get exposed outside, like even in like Europe and such like that. That's a Canadian phenomenon, a little yeah. bit. Would you yeah. agree? That's that's, yeah. that's it's crazy. You say Night Lavelle because yeah. I was I was on tour in the UK last fall, and mm. uh, Night Lavelle was playing in someone's car, like in Cambridge. Like just bumping, and I went up to the guy. I'm like, that guy's from Ottawa. Like that guy's from. He's like, oh yeah. Like he like didn't, didn't care, drove really. away. Yeah, yeah he yeah, drove yeah, away. Yeah. But like he was like, yeah, he's really dope. And like it was crazy, but it was crazy that you say that. Yeah, yeah. And so does that have something to do with your city being somewhat remote and not known as a? It's weird. Ottawa, I don't think gets its fair recognition for being a cultural hub compared to, to obviously Toronto, Montreal. To answer that, I would say that. Um, Ottawa, this is my personal opinion, sure. right? It's It really does suffer from a, a real strong identity, mm-hmm. right? An independent identity. Like, for instance, Toronto has many monikers for itself. It had the T dot, the T dot O, 613, right? I mean, not 613, sorry, the 6. That's right? you. <laughs> the six. 613 is you. I don't know why <laughs> they call it the 6. They should call it the 4. The but, 4, you know, I know. But, it's Drake. Um, you know. Um, not good with numbers. Yeah. <laughs> But because of that, Toronto's had a strong identity, right? Yeah. So much so that even when I moved here to from from Toronto for the first like three years, I'm still calling myself a Torontonian, and you know, people's like my friends, like, no, you you know, you're from Ottawa yeah, now. Yeah. But people feel proud to be from Toronto. Montreal has that; they have the Montreal, you know, the, the this and that, Mont Live and stuff like that, and they feel proud that they're from Montreal. Being that we're right in between, um, for the artists, because the artists a lot of, and I'm saying mostly hip hop not necessarily R&B, yeah. there's a lot of egoism, 
in, in, in hip-hop. So they want to play like the big city, so they see like Toronto. But nobody really wants to rep Ottawa like that, right? So it suffered from that. Um, and a lot of the, the potential fans don't support their local artists. Right, whoever your potential fan or audience could be, they don't support it. So, is it fair to say they don't support them until, say, America or England that, supports them? You could say that. Um, but originally, hip hop, or I'm saying hip hop, or even from R&B, it had its own sound. Right? Mm-hmm. We talked about different social issues than an American hip hop artist might talk about. Right? Yeah. So that's why I think, like even to now, Cardinal and those guys. They're much more successful because they kept a Canadian template within the music. Right. Right. They didn't try to be like they're from New York. Right. Right. They just Even kept it. They were embraced by, like Cardi was really embraced by Wu Tang Clan. I remember, and that helped. And I still remember getting uh, the liner notes for Fear of a Black Planet by Public Enemy, and they thanked Maestro Fresh mm-hmm. West. And I noticed it in the yeah. little tape I had, the fine print. Oh my God! They th- they thanked West like that's amazing. They had a tour together, their first tour in '89. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. No, so. I know, I know, like what the history is on some level. But I just thought that was that was a nice nod from Public Enemy right away, kind of thanking uh, hip hop artists around the world. But it meant something to me as a kid that they noticed this Canadian guy, and I. So that's is that a Canadian complex we have, Melissa? Do you think that we need this external recognition before we will? really appreciate our own? Yeah, I think so. I think it's interesting to think about the fact that there seems to be this international spotlight mm-hmm. on Toronto, um, on Torontonian musicians and what it means to make music from Toronto. But then I think um, an element of figuring out what that new identity looks like also means that Toronto's still figuring out a way to shed its very... Um, for dudes in an indie rock band is what Toronto music was and kind of looked like to the rest of the world for so long. So I think that while we are embracing it really fully, I think there, you know, whether it be from um, different publications or whether it be from just industry folks, Mm -hmm. figuring out how to bridge that gap is something that feels like it's consistently a work in progress. Yeah. Well, I think uh, the other things, the other thing that Canadians might suffer from is this res, this resolute belief that we are a, a truly egalitarian, multicultural country. Um, and I sometimes, well, not sometimes, I feel that we don't address racism enough in this country and um, and its impact on people. Uh, this is a delicate question. I open the floor, but have you, any of you, encountered racism? Uh, in your work, in your practice, have you encountered that? <laughs> I know what the answer is likely going to be, but I, I wouldn't mind hearing your perspectives on this and examples, even um, because I know it will be difficult. But I, I do think it's—I—I I, I do think that people don't recognize that enough yeah. uh, living in this country. Can anyone? Does anyone feel comfortable speaking to this? Um, <laughs> I've had like um, a, like not a dispute, but just like. A conflict with a venue over uh, like it's like I guess payment or like financial stuff and I'm just like man like I'm an artist doing my thing for you bringing people here for you you know to like promote the space and promote Ottawa community and just like foster a better scene for people to go out and enjoy themselves like and um, I don't know it's just like um, as business owners like how are they not conscientious that like I'm a young like minority artist that is struggling to like um you know promote myself and keep myself going so it's just like I need that support you know so it's like 
I feel like sometimes people need to look out for other people more instead of just being like, okay, this is this, this is this. It's like you got to like change things up so it, it's more suitable, more efficient for for the artist so it works better. It's like it works better, it feels better, right? And it's it's less of a of a of a like a, a stressful situation to like approach. I feel like Do you mm-hmm. so you're you're setting an example where and I'm just trying to um pick apart what you you're saying. Are you saying that in that instance that you're referencing you felt that the racism was implicit in them. Debating. I feel like I feel like it, I feel like it, I don't feel like it's it's racism. I feel like you 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 need to be um, conscientious of of who you're dealing with and like knowing the person, you know. Yeah. And just like understanding that certain things like they shouldn't matter in terms of that like that like um the way the the way the thing like played out. I feel like that should have never happened, ever. Like. That that doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Right. And I feel like that's just a, a maybe that's a cultural disconnect. But I feel like anybody who is empathetic enough to understand other people and like the the value of of performance and like art in general would never do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Definitely for me, yes. Right. Um, but I think it's more um, covert than overt. I see right. Racism right. is very subtle. Right. Um, you know, it could be in the way of um, if you're a particular artist, right, how they try to box you in, mm-hmm. right, your subject matter, right, try to, um, you know what I mean, streamline you to, 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 to be a certain way, especially if you're expressing yourself and your, your identity, you know. Mm. Um, at one time, it wasn't a point, like during the conscious era of hip-hop, you could wear the beads, you can wear this and that, you know, and it's, it's funny because record labels would tell you, put on the beads, you, you, you need some beads because that was selling. But now they would streamline you towards the materialism and stuff like that. So, you know, if, if you want to express yourself, if you're talking about being a proud black woman or, you know what I mean, and you're putting it in your songs or, like, um, if you're an artist like India Irie, but you're in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of artist, right? I could say, you know, Rita Carter could be, like, that kind of artist, how she wears her hair natural and stuff like that. And they would shun away from those kind of things. You do um, magazine covers when they do the Photoshop Right, they lighten your skin a little bit, you know. They do all those kind of things in subtle ways that would, um, they definitely um, hint to that there's racism. And do you yeah. feel like that? Sorry, Rita, did you feel like that's still happening? Um, yeah, it, it still happens, but you got to be aware of it. If you're just not aware of it or not really entrenched in the music scene, like for instance, the Juno Awards at one time. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Never used to air 
the, the, the hip-hop segment when the hip-hop artists were winning the awards, right? It used to be the non-televised portion. Yeah. And hip-hop and urban music generally, it wasn't only hip-hop. The R&B um, section wasn't um, aired. The reggae section wasn't aired. Right now, we have a Canadian Juno Award winner. He won five times in a row from Toronto, right? And anybody who's won five Grammys in a row, right, would be known around the world. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know him. Who right? you, who you discuss, who you're Esco about? Levi. Oh, right. right. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and those those portions of the, the Junos are not aired, televised. They're, 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 they're off the air, right? right? They would have a performance maybe, and some people would argue there's tokenism, right? But, you know, so the Rascals in 1998 took a stand. So when they were getting the awards, they said, we don't want it. And we're not going to, until the Junos start airing that televised, the, the, that portion of the awards, we're not going to, you know, accept no awards. A lot of hip-hop artists jumped on board. Cardinal Official just had to do it. It was almost nearly 10 years to, um, to, to, to minus two years, right? Mm-hmm. But 10 years, 2006, he said the same thing. Cardinal Official came out publicly and said he's not going to any more Junos right. because they're still not airing the hip-hop portion of the awards. Right. Right? right. So subtle, but, you know, it's very noticeable. It is noticeable, yes. Sorry, Reed, I didn't mean to cut you off. Did you? No, no I didn't even. That's no, fine. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah, I just want to touch on, you know, like Ottawa and racism and, you know, I just I just think, you know, and I, re- I really appreciate that compliment that, you know, you think I could be the India I read, like the, you know what I mean? I really, I really appreciate that because, you know, I grew up listening to Tracy Chapman and all of that stuff and, uh, and I just think that Ottawa, like, we just got to just take like it's just going to take time like it's not it's not impossible no one's got to rush i feel like you know artists here are trying to rush to get to the top and you know when it comes to racism in ottawa like it absolutely exists but i think that because ottawa is like it's a valley town and there's all these other outskirts of ottawa like that's where it exists i was working for blues fest i did two seasons with them i love blues fest i've been like i grew up going to the festival and you know the racism that I experience being a black woman, a dark-skinned black woman, working at the forefront, at the line, dealing with Toby Keith fans from Smith Falls and like the the outskirts. Like I'm not I'm not or you know you know I'm not saying these places are bad at all, but I'm For just lack saying of a better term, people maybe are redneck areas. <laughs> I mean, like yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to say that, but I'm I mean they're pic- from they're from yeah. they're from places where they don't they don't go to school with black people much, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So they, or or people from anywhere other than you know ang- like you know Caucasian people. So I just think they're not as exposed to it. And I dealt with lots of racism, and like I just think people just need to understand that. Yes, it does exist here, but it's only going to change if we just keep exposing ourselves more and more and more and being ourselves, like not being anyone else. Yeah. You know, so that's why I wear my hair natural because it's important. Oh, yeah. Hey, natural <laughs> hair, shout out. I also want to say that there's like not a lot of uh, just like uh, all of the spaces that um, us uh, black people have as like artists, entertainers and stuff like that, we foster it ourselves. So like the first um place that I ever got to perform, like in front of people on a mic, was uh the hip hop open mic and it was run by Jamal. So th- these things like is it the thing is that 
there's so little of us to like really foster a space for us and like yeah. we're doing it on our own and even like in terms of music festivals there's tons of music festivals in Ottawa Folk Fest Auto Explosion Weekend even Megaphono but they're not doing a good job of like having a space for um, just like black artists and like especially local black artists I remember I was at City Folk Fest and it was all the line, like the one hip hop show was like all uh, American artists, so they're all international artists. But I guess that's for the pool and stuff like that. But even the even at Blues Fest, like they they booked Migos, Migos, they booked Migos, and that show was crazy. Right. And people were flipping out because like, oh yeah, uh, you have a thousand people there and you don't have enough space for everyone, you know. Yeah. And it's just like, how you how how do you how do you blame the artist for that? How do you blame the artist group for that? Because a lot of people were being like, oh, Migos should never come to Blues Fest. But like, at the same time, Blues Fest was trying to make a pull for, for a big artist. Yeah. And the biggest artist was a black artist. But now people are blaming the black artists for, for having the biggest pull at a show. Yeah. You know? Right. And it's, that's, that's the, show, the shows that were actually the craziest yeah. were the country shows. They were crazy. Just, just like, to I mean, find the crazy, though, for people who don't know these stories, because I know there uh, was an uproar, but... Just, you know, <sighs> underage drinking. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to police 30,000 people. Yeah. Like, I just want to give a huge shout-out to the security team, to Torso Security, like, here in Ottawa, and the whole Blues Fest staff, because we... Like I'm, I'm speaking. I'm, I'm trying not to speak on their behalf. I don't work for them anymore, but yeah. we work hard to try our best to make sure people are safe. Yeah. The volunteers, 3,500 volunteers. The core staff is 25 to 30 people. Right. Like we, we rely on our volunteers. All festival, you know, shout out to Lena Martin for West Fest. That's a huge festival in Ottawa too. Everybody in festivals here in Ottawa, we work hard to make sure it's safe for people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes things get crazy. Uh, underage drinking, drugs, um, just, you know, a lot of people in one space. People get live and yeah. things get nuts and yeah. but I mean <laughs> I would still send my kid to Blues Fest. Yeah. I would yeah. still let him go and experience that. Yeah. And you just gotta like teach your kids yeah. and you know how to how to be good people and look out for people. There were a lot of good things that happened too. Right. So yeah. Melissa you I feel like you have something you wanna say about this. I can um, tell. Yeah, I feel like I want to echo everybody's comments just but first the comment that you were talking about people being weirded out that Migos were performing at Blues Fest seems very bizarre to me because Migos are like the biggest one of the biggest rock bands on the planet yeah and to not understand the role that they're playing in the way that we think about rock music seems bizarre very bizarre very yeah. bizarre yeah, yeah. <laughs> very um, bizarre but I think to kind of talk about the way that racism in the Canadian music scene or sort of the Canadian music space as a whole suffers from um, a lot of covert issues where you oftentimes enter spaces and you feel uh, you feel your racialized body and how you walk into spaces and people respond to it in a different way. Without saying anything, you feel the way that people respond to it in a, in a mm-hmm. different way. Mm-hmm. And under this myth of multiculturalism, it can be really difficult to figure out how to articulate those nuances for why um, something just feels off yeah. when you're, you know, whether it's in different industry spaces or they're in, or you're in different performance spaces, um, something is happening and 
you know, something's happening to indicate that you're being othered in those in those areas. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree. And I want to come back to this in a moment. But uh, we do have to take a quick break and uh, we'll be back with more with our panel. Thank you for being here. And we're back. Thank you so much for being here at this panel at the uh, Origin Arts and Culture Center. Uh, we had a very spirited discussion there. that touched a, a lot of ground there, I believe. And we talked a lot about Ottawa, uh, and which is fine. That's where we are. Uh, I have a big question here, and we don't have a lot of time left, so I'm going to open this to the floor. Because we've talked about, I think we've talked a little bit about anti-black racism in the Canadian music industry. Uh, but do you feel like anti-black racism is an issue that is recognized enough in Canada generally. Um, and I mean this from both an artistic perspective and just uh, from your perspectives living in this country. Well, first thing that we have to understand when we talk about racism that it's, um, for the most part, it's institutionalized, right? Um, it's not individualized. When it comes down to the individual, most of it is ignorance, right? So because of that, it wouldn't escape any institution. It could be prevalent in the police force, um, in any academic institution, right? Um, festivals like the music business and stuff like that. So beginning with us being in North America, I know that we feel that, um, I personally feel that um, people, a lot of people think we don't have racism here in Canada, right? Well, it's a U.S. Should, thing, yeah. yes. right? Yeah. Um, mo mostly overshadowed because U.S. had slavery, you know, being very prevalent. And Canada, Canada had pockets of slavery, Canada too. Canada had slavery, so, right? too. But yeah. the numbers were very much smaller, right? But um, because of that, that is deeply entrenched in the ideology of the, 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 um, the Caucasian majority, right? That they're not racist. And um, they can't see themselves as having racist, racist ideologies. Now, racism doesn't mean you see somebody on the street run him down and say, hey, use the N-word, right, and beat him up, even though that has happened, right? Yeah. It's happened to me. Um, it's happened to a lot of my peers. But um, at the same time, like I was saying before, it could be very subtle. If, if you talk to somebody and you, you look at their views, you know, when Somalians started first coming to Canada in, in droves in the late 80s, if you saw some of the views, the politicians' views um, um, about Somalian immigrants coming here, right? Um, Jamaican immigrants coming here in the 80s in, in Toronto, right? Well, at one point, everybody thought, if you're a black person, you're a Jamaican, right? And little crime that was being committed, stuff like that. If you go out not west of Vancouver... But not only Jamaican, but, but guaranteed to be a drug dealer. Right. I mean, and politicians were, were pushing that narrative, and carceral rates reflect that like exactly. it, it's insane um out west in vancouver there's racism against um the 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 the, the central asians right people from india yeah. and, and pakistan and stuff like that and um far east east asians too right yes, and people yeah. from the orient and stuff like that so if you talk to anybody from halifax nova scotia they could tell you about racism absolutely yeah <laughs> very absolutely. much right yeah um so you know um everybody's got their turn haitians has got their turn you know so yes um the music industry is just one small cosmopolitan like you know or, or microcosm of racism in canada generally mm -hmm. if i go to work if i join a company and you know um how people view you if i go on the elevator and i see the lady cut your purse it doesn't matter so it's something that we have to and all of us we just i just live with it and navigate it through the shark waters as, as I grow older. I think some of us look to the arts to make sense of the world, um, to make sense of issues like this. 
Um, can anyone on the panel speak to their own practice? Do you try to articulate your feelings or deal with these issues therapeutically through your work? I absolutely do. I feel like it's uh, it naturally happens for me when I write music or when I'm jamming with people from all different backgrounds, all different socioeconomic backgrounds, <coughs> like different places. But I feel like it's my duty to use my music um, to kind of shed light on things that are, are dark. Mm -hmm. And I think that <laughs> the way that I do it is I talk about things that are going on around the world. It may not necessarily happen to me, but I just I think I've been blessed to be able to, to do what I do. And, and I, I think it is making a difference. And people are learning about things. I mean, I didn't know about the Rwandan genocide until I saw the, the great General Romeo Dallaire speak at Carleton University. And then I wrote a song called Genocide. And I used a, a melody that I had heard from Kanon when he put out a Dusty Foot Philosopher, a Somali yeah. artist uh, from Toronto. New York and Toronto, and uh, I use that melody in a song that's a very catchy Somali melody, mm -hmm. you know, and I grew up with a lot of Somalis around me, and I, re I respect, like, all the culture. I just think people need to be more involved in different cultures, and then that's how racism is, like, just eradicated, because you know people. You start to get to know people, like, on the inside and not on the outside, yeah. That's well put. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, sure. Um, I think uh, for me, as, as somebody who uh, primarily works in um, editorial spaces, I think figuring out how, how I write about black musicians, how I write about black Canadian musicians is something that I'm consistently conscious of my framing and how am I and, and what am I framing around the artists that I'm putting together these narratives about. Do you find it more difficult to pitch African-Canadian artists to editors than you might white people? I think so much of it has to do with the publication and so much of it has to do with the editor. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I just, and I, I know that it's probably a case-by-case case scenario. Yeah. I just wonder if you've noticed any trends when you're pitching certain things. Like, are, are some things more likely to be picked up? Yeah, so that's a question I feel like I, I have a lot of complicated feelings <laughs> yes, around. I can imagine. Um, because on the one hand, and I kind of came up in the metal scene and I kind of came up in the hardcore scene, so right. that... When I first started writing about music, that was a lot of what I wrote about it. That's a lot of what I was thinking about. Um, and as I started writing in different spaces, I started to realize that the pitches that would come to me or the way that editors would pitch me, would, depending on the publication, would almost exclusively be about black artists, um, which made me think about what they perceived my role was in that space and how they thought, um, or maybe some of the limitations they had around how they wanted to position the black artists that they were trying to profile right. in their pages. Right. I think that yeah. you're in the realm of are they being tokenistic? Are they yeah. being are they being um I hate to use the word proactive, but are they yeah. being more proactive about reflecting different communities? I know that there's mm -hmm. a knot of issues there. Mm -hmm. We you don't want to be taken advantage of um because, you know, Captain was talking about a socially conscious time in rap and now we're I think we're in a mix of it. I think we are in a very outspoken time right now. I think people are, we, we're all, I think, we're hopefully aware of all the movements that have sprung up from people feeling empowered to speak out on things. Yeah. But at the same time, what you're seeing is people uh, who are racialized being asked to do things and probably questioning why they're being asked to do things. Are you just asking me to do this because 
I look a certain way or I'm a liaison to you for a culture that you don't yeah. have an entry point to. And it's, it's a, again, it's complicated mm-hmm. and probably another hour long discussion that we don't have time for. But yeah. I do want to broach that because I feel like maybe that's what you that were That is discussing. exactly yeah. kind of what I was trying to get. And I think one of the things that ends up being at the forefront of my mind is that is it easier for you to pass off these discussions to artists that you know can do an excellent job at delivering them because you're not willing to do the work and trying to unpack that on your own? Even with the assistance of people around you, are you just sort of looking for a relatively superficial way of checking off certain boxes as opposed to actually investigating and unpacking your own identity and unpacking the identity of the artists that you're working with? Um, You're just not interested in getting and, and doing any part of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. I just, but I just think that, like, anytime... I, I try to, just, like, just shed the, the positive on everything, mm-hmm. and every time you're given... It's, it's still an opportunity. Absolutely. And so if a door is open, you can still do what you got to do, and I think, like, being creatives and being able to yeah. write and, and produce music and, you know what I mean, and produce venues like this. Shout out to Captain and Jamal and the whole family who built this place up like origin studio to give us these spaces you know and uh i just think that it yes you can be you can look at things in a token way oh i'm just the token. nah like no take the opportunity and flip it 100 for your people like you know what i mean like and i feel like yeah it it may go back to that naivete i was describing what you have as a child where you actually don't know your difference uh on some level it sounds like you have to kind of like perhaps they just asked me because they believe in my work. Perhaps they just asked oh, me. Oh, no, I'm not saying that. Yeah. No, oh, no, okay. Think That does happen, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm just saying you have to take that as an opportunity to flip it, flip it. Yeah. and do what you want with that space okay. or what you want with that opportunity because it's yeah. still an opportunity. I've I'm just, just, I've dealt with it. Like, I, I don't want to like, I can't, t- we don't have time to tell the stories, <laughs> but like yeah. I've dealt with that and yeah. I found a way. I found a way, yeah. Okay. And I think that's a really, really crucial point to bring up because once you're, once you're in that space, you can do whatever you want there, and mm-hmm. that's how you can bring other people into it. Exactly. So it, I think it's it's healthy to be critical of yeah. what it looks like when you're there mm-hmm. and why it can feel like you're proud to be there, but it can also feel um, alienating at the same time, even right. though you're really happy. And I think being able to realize that that's a platform that kind of gives you leverage to bring other people into that area is something to keep in mind. For sure. We'll talk later. Like, I know yeah. that's not, <laughs> no. We'll talk more. We, I think this is a larger conversation. But seismic, uh, uh, please. To touch on what Melissa said about unpacking, it's, um, it's really hard to be a performer and to unpack your emotional baggage in front of everyone. Yeah. You know? So I feel like um, a lot of uh, rap is criticized because, oh, you guys just rap about this, rap is mumble rap is this, mumble rap is that. And it's just like, uh, it's it's so like detrimental because how how, how are you going to, like, how are you not, uh, like, unpacking your own emotional baggage? Like, a lot of people don't even know what it's like to come up on stage and to talk to people. Right. You know, like comedians and stuff like that. and like Or not even comedians, just like general performers. And like, I, it just really hurts my heart to like see that people will still judge um, content, you know, for the content that it is instead of like seeing that, you know, everybody like even the performer is a, is a person too. So they still have their own insecurity. So if they're doing a show that's hype and like um, they're not talking about things that things that bother them, 
I guess I have like I'm just like confused at this. I think point. there's a context yeah. thing that you're describing is yeah. that people are maybe just experiencing the superficial aspect of a show, but there's a lot that went from the that artist finding their way, their practice, and then finding the courage to get up and speak their truth in front of people. I think that's maybe what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And that's even a long way that even art, artists still have to like figure out how to do. Like even Jay Z put out four 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 this year, and he was being honest about about things in um in the hip hop community. And a a lot of younger guys don't have uh, like the the confidence to do that because of the the whole culture and the scene and like being labeled and, and stuff it, like but that. It, it also takes time to get to know yourself. Yeah. you know what I mean. People don't when you put out honest music, that's going to be timeless music. We are still listening to Tracy Chapman till this day. Yeah, like that is honest classic music because she knew herself. You know. As long as you know who you are, but it takes time. So that's why younger guys are rapping about Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci. I mean, he doesn't know himself yet. He's gonna learn. I hope so. Yeah. That would be nice. If oh he yeah, learned. he will. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll fight in many fights, right? The the artist is is almost like fighting against himself when you don't know yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You want to you want to project yourself in a certain way because you want the record sales. You need money, and it's mostly fueled by capitalism, right? Yeah. And if you're talking hip hop. Even R&B, and you're talking about black artists, we're coming from certain social economic conditions where, you know, and the male, the black male particularly, when you're talking about hip-hop, right, he wants, at the end of the day, he might want a little bit of the fame, the girls and all of that, and accolades he gets from his peers, but he wants to maximize his music to make that dollar bill. Sure. Right? Sure. Um, so, and plus, if these artists are young, just generally, who, no matter who you are, you're not really, you haven't come into yourself yet, right? Yeah. So it, it doesn't escape you just because you're a musical artist. Too. Then you got the corporations that they want money too, so they would push you into that direction because you know that's what sells. Yeah. And if it's self-destructive, they don't care, right? right? The, the record labels, right? right? You have venues. There's not enough venues, like right. She was saying so yeah. because of that. There's only a few venues that would you know just blues fest, but blues fest is for main international artists. Then they have a little stage where you know sometimes where you know local artists could get a get a little play. But at the same time, it's far and few between. Not everybody can get on that stage. Absolutely. Right? right. You got to be really doing things and stuff like that, and they will recognize you. So there's other. You got West Fest. You got other, and not only in Ottawa, in Toronto. You know, you got um, Manifesto. You got all kinds of platforms that would do things. You got Origin Studio here. You got the Soul City Music Fest. You know, so there's 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 a fight and a tug of war. Yeah. Do you want to produce art? If you're really going to produce art, you can be in your basement and paint all you all you want and don't sell. Nothing and just make it artistic. Sure. But people want to get paid for the art because capitalism is fueling, you know, when there's poverty or, you know. Just making a, having making a, a living. livelihood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So be because of that, you have to balance between yourself. What if I'm being true to myself? If it's, if it's a painter, if it's an actor, right? What kind of role you take and how you project yourself on the movie screen, right? Or if you're a producer or an R&B singer, whatever. If you're a journalist, what would you do? How would you write for, for right. you know, certain articles? How would you slant the, the article mm. to make the person look? Or sell your soul, some people would call it, right? right. So um, there's a fight on many levels, but mostly it goes back to the artist themselves. Because when you stay tr true to yourself, one thing I know, even though if you do something for so long, you're going to reap the benefits of it, right? right? Yeah. No matter what. It might take a longer road than selling your soul, but you'll reap the benefits. I hope I hope you're right. Yeah, thank you, Captain. We are sure. Yeah, we are. Um, 
We are basically out of time, but I want to go uh, uh, around the uh, the stage here and ask each of you to, I suppose, just, uh, well, first of all, promote yourself a little bit. Tell people where they can learn more about you. And if you have any um, sort of final thoughts or <laughs> words of wisdom, so to speak, uh, regarding this topic uh, for anyone who is an aspiring artist here or wondering how they can contribute, um, I'd love to hear that as well. Um, Captain just went on a long spiel there, so why don't we start with Melissa, actually? Um, yeah, so I am Melissa Vincent. You can find me on Twitter at Mel underscore Vincent. You can find me on Instagram. My Instagram name is Melissa Juicebox. No, Melissa period. Juicebox? Melissa Juicebox. Okay, what is the origin of that? Um, so there's a Boards of Canada song called oh. Melissa Juice. Right. And that was taken. Uh-huh. So I was like, I guess I'll be Melissa Juicebox. It's nicer. It's like a lunch... It's a lunch. Nice quantity of juice. Yeah. yeah. Juice okay. boxes are great. They are absolutely. <laughs> I didn't expect to talk about this, but I agree. Juice boxes are amazing. Um, and who do you contribute? Your wh- Who are your primary media outlets at this point? Yeah. So um, right now I'm the uh, associate editor at A-Side, um, which is a Canadian publication and uh, cable TV station. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the past, I've contributed to Pitchfork, uh, The Fader, uh, The Globe and Mail, Vice, yeah. Are you finding it harder to pitch these days to those kinds of places? Um, I think I'm I'm really careful about what I pitch and okay. how I pitch it and thinking a lot about timing, like what even like sort of considering what might be best for the artists that I right. wanna that I'm I'm trying to pitch, what timing wise would work best for them. Is okay. it better to pitch them earlier on or just kind of wait until they figure out where they wanna go and their identity a little bit more? So yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that's something that I'm conscientious of. And before that, we move on, um, words of encouragement or hopeful things you'd like to see about maybe the Canadian music industry as it relates to the topic at hand? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, just in terms of maybe some wisdom that I can offer to black artists or just black creatives or black writers is to always pull from your resources. Mm. Anybody in the industry is more than willing to offer advice, to offer words of wisdom, to offer anything that they can. Um, I find that so much of knowledge sharing happens in these really uh, random organic encounters. And I, I, I think sometimes it can be a little bit scary to reach out to people and ask them for advice, advice that in the music industry as a whole, I've noticed gets passed really easily and fluidly among people. Um, but I think for black artists in particular and, and, and black creatives, it can be a little bit difficult to locate your elders. Yeah. Do you think forums like this perhaps at festivals and conferences might be useful? I believe so, yeah. I'm just fishing right now. I'm hoping this was useful <laughs> for someone. But uh, yeah, it probably, right? These kinds of conversations need to be happening, I would think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think even for the purpose of encouraging people who are at the festival to sort of Think about the role of the festival. Think about the role of this panel and the way yeah. that it contributes to a larger Canadian music context. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Yeah. Very well put. Sorry. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, like, yeah, I no, appreciate no, no. creative I, I control. Like, No, no. It's important because anytime people get together and get a chance to talk together that may not have had the opportunity to before is, is, is great because you're just sharing different opinions and like you know different backgrounds so it's good oh thank you i yeah. appreciate that yeah it's yeah my, my pleasure um yeah i'll i'll shout myself out my name is rita carter i'm gonna be performing here <laughs> in what's the time it's uh, t- uh 12 55 okay so at 3 45 my band's gonna come on here and blow the cupboard 
door sealing oh, yeah, off. <laughs> I just noticed the ceiling is covered doors. And, uh, What's that about? Yeah, you can follow me. It's a little creepy, actually. Insta- it's really cool. What's, uh, with, uh, no, I like, a mirror it, one, too. They, yeah, there's a mirror and cupboard. It's a bathroom. It's basically a bathroom. This is like a medicine cabinet. That's awesome. I'm going to shave later, maybe. <laughs> anyway, please. <laughs> So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Rita Carter Music, uh, Facebook. I spread love, I spread positivity because that's that's what comes back, and because it's the best way to be. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm really excited to hit the stage. And thank you so much to Megaphono Fest, all the organizers and volunteers, and Rachel Weldon holding it down, female holding it down for the city, you know, or holding it up, I'd say for the city. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. What else should I? Well, I just I, well, we did a oh, little yeah. words of encouragement. Positive or, words yeah. of encouragement. Just know yourself. Know yourself for anybody, not an artist, not any like for anybody. You got to get to know yourself. Take the time to look in the mirror and really stare yourself. You know, when you go to the washroom, don't just look down yeah. at your hands, but yeah. look up and like look up literally at the look, mirror. Yeah, at look, the look at yeah. yourself and figure out who yeah. you are. Because as soon as you do, then you can be your true self and. Anyone who's their truest self is completely positive and lovable and just puts out love. Yeah. Amazing, Rita. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah. We move on. Seismic? Um, yeah. So I'm Seismic, S-E-I-I-I-Z-M-I-K-K. That's how you spell it. Uh, I spell it with three R's because I want to remember, remind people that you have a body, a mind, and a, and a spiritual, spiritual aspect of you. So there's three parts of you. So I spell it like that. Um... Instagram, same thing. Facebook, same thing. SoundCloud, I got it on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. I'm on Bandcamp as well, and Twitter as a size wave. So. Nice. Okay. And again, any final thoughts? Yeah, final thoughts. Um, and words of encouragement, I guess, is that to uh, remember to be to have empathy. So like, if you're creating something, don't like do it with empathy. So like, if you know that like it has like some lyrics or like some content in there that is trigger triggering, try to Try to like at least warn people and like say what's gonna happen beforehand because like mm-hmm. y- y- you have like as an artist you have such you have such an influence because you 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 have attention right you have people's attention and people's attention is so powerful. Very well put. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And finally, um, Captain. Right. Um, <laughs> that should be easy to Google. Well, the real moniker is Captain, aka the Intellectual Stimulator. Right, that, that used will to be, be easier to Google, I would yeah, think. Yeah, it did have. Uh, <laughs> I changed it, but just Captain for okay. sure. Um, I'm still a hip hop artist, right? I still produce. I produce um, music, hip hop primarily. Um, um, I do film, right? And I've what I've I've I transcended into documenting the culture more because even though I'm a hip hop artist, um, I'm not really looking to try to make a career. I do it as um, you know for little particular events, right? Um, so Do you feel like a more of a historian in some ways. Yes, I am. I'm, yeah. I was going to get to that. Too, Sorry. Right? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so um, I do film. So I just finished my first movie, right? Um, uh, 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 called One Weekend. It's I'm dropping it in March. Um, so it's going to be debuting here at the Origin. So go on the Origin Facebook. Right, and you could see you just scroll up, and you will probably see the advertising for it. Can you describe the film a little bit? It's based here in Ottawa. About two local Ottawa hip hop artists is trying to make it big in Ottawa, but they have no money, right? So they go to a local neighborhood kind of uh, gangster to borrow some money, but kind of bite off more than they could chew. 
oh. with, by, by taking this, like shaking a hand with the devil, so to speak, right? right. And um, so they have one weekend to sell these drugs so they can have money, but they get themselves in trouble because their wives don't like the decision and they lose the drugs. <laughs> so they're in hot water, right? So they have by Monday to come up with a convincing story to the big boss man. I see. Okay. And they're not drug dealers. They're just rappers that made a bad decision. Right? I, okay. But wow. it's mostly um, comedy in the movie, right? It, it, it might have that, some people see it as that negative slant, that stereotypical, okay, there's drugs and stuff mm -hmm. like that in the movie. But mostly it's comedy because they're looking for the whole weekend who stole the car, where's this drugs, we lost it, oh, we're going to be in trouble. Okay. So anyway, so um, but I like to document the culture more. So I have Northern Touch DVD and print magazine. I've taken a little hiatus from that, but it's still up. The Facebook is Northern Touch Canada DVD. Mm -hmm. And um, so a lot of events all throughout the city. I'm always filming the events, right? I, I do see it you're for, filming us today. Yes. I'm always documenting anything yeah. dealing with urban culture generally, right? right? Um, so, and I like to give back, right? Um, because one of the things, well, I'll go into that as far as the words of encouragement, but I want to give back. So I have Soul City Music Fest. Right, is we're running. This is going to be our third year this year. It's right down to the end of the road um, at uh, Lagouche Park. There's a big park right there, baseball diamond, big soccer field. So um, we put a lot of local artists on, right? Emerging artists, sometimes touching the stage for the first time, and some well established artists. And I would just like to say, Rita yeah. Carter is going to be headlining this year. Oh, at you the announced festival. it. Nice. So, you know. So with that being said, that's the platform I like to I like to um, do to 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 promote for artists, particularly local artists and artists, because I understand the dream process, yeah. right? The deferred dreams. Because I was in that position at one time. That's all I thought I would be. I thought I'd be a rapper. I'll be on stage, and that's it. I didn't want to do nothing else, yeah. right? And it took to even in my late thirties. I was like, this ain't gonna happen for you. <laughs> Not in that way. Uh, we you all know? go through that, I think, as we get older. Right. Yeah. But it happens. It still happens for me. I've, I'm still. I've just recorded a song the other day, but not in that way. Right. But you know, I understand the dream process. For words of encouragement, um, I would say for young artists to never let life get in the way. That's what happened with me and a lot of my peers. We let life get in the way of doing the music, right? Um, because artists are getting signed so young. Sometimes they don't, life doesn't get in the way for them. But for local artists, in Canada particularly, you know, you could have a child young. You could, you know, be feeling at school or, or, or dropped out and then trying to get back your life back together or whatever. But um, no, you can't let life get in the way or else, you know, time waits for no man. So, you know, and with this younger generation, I think their mind, I don't want to say this per se, but their attention span is a little bit shorter when it comes to music. You know, um, even if you do have good quality music, it could be timeless. You know, if you don't strike when the iron's hot, sometimes, you know, that opportunity might pass you. Mm -hmm. So stick with it. And, so if um, you have a child, ignore the child. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? I just want to, I'm just parsing this out here. Feed the child, but still write lyrics with one just hand or Just feed type. the child. <laughs> Everything else will take care of itself. Work on your ass. Just have balance. Rock the child, like, you burp know? the child, and you write <laughs> lyrics balance. with the other hand. Okay, okay. And, um, but no, don't, don't, um, don't. I, I stick to your vision, so to speak. Yeah, stick to yeah. your vision. Yeah. Stick to your vision and stick yeah. with it. But in Canada, we get discouraged a lot, especially with the U.S. artists reaping the financial profits so big. We get get discouraged and thinking, yeah, we can make a little money, but could I actually buy a house yeah. off of this? Yeah. Could you know, I might get car money, but could I be 
the gold and the this and the that and the pool. So that discourages a lot of Canadian artists, black artists particular, right? right. So, um, but don't get discouraged because you know Drake blew the roof off of Canada, and there's a lot of people coming right behind him. Oh, you're talking about Knight Lavelle, right? I know. Well, I know his father. Me and his father is the one who opened up for De La Soul. Oh, you know wow. what I mean? Back yeah. in back in '88, nice. right? So you know, it's sometimes it, it, it you know. It doesn't happen to you, but your next generation. But you see what's happening now, right? For the foundation that was laid. So there's a good foundation in Canada that it could happen. Yeah. All right, Captain, I appreciate that. Uh, my name is uh, Vish Khanna. Uh, we are recorded this uh, panel for my podcast, which is called Creative Control. It's Creative with a K, Control with a K. It's available on all your favorite podcast platforms. So please do check it out. I'd like to thank uh, Elsa and John and Rachel, everyone at Megaphono, Jamal here at the center and all of you for being here uh, I really appreciate it I hope you enjoyed our panel how about another round of applause for our panelists thank you so much have a good weekend talk to you soon bye for now hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy so I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.